Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Again, if you uh, would join those that are standing just one more time for the reading of the Scripture, if you're able, that is, I'm going to turn to the book of Psalms, the 145th Psalm. It's good to see everybody here today. God bless all of you. Amen. Please put on your calendar one week from Wednesday, the next monthly installment of Calvary Kids Connect. This is when our children meet at the Kids Zone during our Wednesday night midweek service. That's not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, September the 13th at 6.30. Amen. Bring your children, your grandchildren, invite children that aren't even yours to come and they will be blessed and they will be ministered to Psalm 145 now I don't know how long I'm going to be able to preach however long the Lord sustains my voice that'll be the answer to that but uh, I know the Lord wants to speak to somebody here today and uh, I want him to have his way amen Psalm 145 verse Three. This is from the psalmist David. David writes, Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Then he makes a very curious, interesting statement in verse 4. He says, One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty Acts. Now, the way I interpret this scripture is the fathers, the mothers, the grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles, the elders, the older ones in uh, David's day, he was telling them to teach the younger ones how to praise the Lord. And that's very important. Uh, I don't want to start off on a bad note today, but I wouldn't let anybody younger than me outpraise me. Amen, Amen Sister Cleta. And she's uh, at the age now where she can say that. I'm not going to let anybody younger than me praise the Lord harder or longer or with more of whatever's within them than I'm going to do. So with that thought in mind, I want to preach to you today from this subject. Are you going to praise the Lord. Amen. Now, if you'll do that, what you just did after I read the title throughout the whole message, uh, I'll be happy. And I'll even be more happy if God has his way. God will bless his word today. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Thank you for standing. I do want to impress upon you this afternoon just exactly that, the importance of Uh, passing on the praise and how important it is to praise God from one generation to the next. And praise uh, is like everything that you really want to instill in someone else. Praise is the same way. To, To do that correctly and to do that adequately, you have to do more uh, than just teach it. Because Praise is not only to be taught, but it is also to be caught by those who see you do it. 
Matthew chapter 21 is a very interesting passage of Scripture to me. In it, Jesus cleanses the temple there in Jerusalem, and then he heals some folks, some blind folks and lame people are healed. And then uh, next you find the children, some of the children of the city there in Jerusalem in the temple crying out in praising God. And here's what they're saying. Uh, verse 15, and when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they, the priests and scribes, were sore displeased and said unto him, to Jesus, Hearest thou what these say? Jesus saith unto them, Yeah. Oh, wait, that word's yea. Yeah fits. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise so Jesus not only was allowing what was going on in these children praising God but he was condoning it uh, and, and so in response to the criticism that he received uh, or that that he received in allowing them and that the children received for this strong powerful vocal praise by these children <clears throat> in response to that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament Psalm chapter 8, and I'm going to read from that a little bit later, but he reminded these people here and us as we read it of a great secret, that perfected praise will produce strength. It will produce strength. How many of you could use more strength in your life today? At this very moment that Jesus is being rejected by the religious leaders of the day, these children, these young people uh, are captivated by the full meaning of who Jesus is, and they were worshiping him as God. Let me say something right here, and this may shock some of you that are members of this church. People don't praise the Lord who do not have a revelation of who he is. Let me say that in a different way and turn it around in case you didn't get it. When people don't praise the Lord, many times it's because they don't know truly who he is. Uh, they, they don't have a revelation of who he is. Now, they may have had it in the past, but somehow forgotten it. Because if you ever understand who he is, it's going to do more than just get this out of you. Now, I'm going to borrow from the, uh, the Major League Baseball outfit. Well, let's just say the St. Louis Cardinals, every once in a while I'll notice they uh, have giveaways trying to entice you to come to games. And sometimes they give away uh, something that does this. Somebody said it. Several somebodies. Bobblehead. Uh, there are in the church, even in apostolic churches, what I call bobblehead worshipers. Or, or even more, this really gets my goat. While everybody else is praising the Lord, 
Now, I like to put my hand up here on the back of the chair when that's, it's time for that. But when it's time for worship, don't be a bobblehead Christian. That's just, that's just not right. Uh, I haven't found that in the Bible yet, the bobblehead worship. But, but I'm going to show you today some stuff I did find. I haven't seen that not one time yet, but there's, there's some more. When you get a revelation of who Jesus is, it's going to move you from this or this during the time of worship to he is the alpha, praise him. He is the omega, I worship him. He's the beginning and the end, so I'm going to praise his name just as loud as I can. He's my heavenly father, and I love him. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the great I am, he which was and is and is to come, and I sure ain't going to sit still and silent when it's time to praise my God. Hallelujah. Some of you could just realize he's still in charge of your situation. He's still on his throne. It's going to change your praise. So the Bible, the Bible encourages us to be a generation of praisers. In other words, teach them not to take it for granted. Don't just think that those coming along behind you, those that are following you, are going to do it automatically. Don't just think that your children or your grandchildren or those that are looking up to you will automatically grow up with a desire for God's presence. You've got to carefully teach and, and maintain and, and train and be an example for them in praise and worship unto God and, and help them to understand who he is and what he is and what he can do and tell them that he is greatly to be praised. It doesn't matter what they may go through in their life. They will always be able to survive because they know how to praise God. Amen. Praise God. Now, we don't have people that backslide from this church who are praying <clears throat> and praising. Just doesn't happen. When somebody loses out with God, it's because usually the devil or the world or something somehow stole their praise. And I'm telling you today, whatever you do, don't let that happen. Don't let the devil steal your praise. I, I don't know everybody's situation here today. I don't know what you're up against this afternoon. But you've got a pastor who is never going to let this church forget, I am going to preach it, and I'm going to preach it, and I'm going to preach it, and then I'm going to preach it some more until we all understand. Every time it's appropriate, every time we come together, we have got to praise the Lord. Amen. Praise is God's address. Praise is the way, the only way into his presence. It's our lifeline. It's our survival. Praise is the only hope. It's the difference between life and death, my friend. We have got 
to praise the Lord. Are you going to do it? Are you going to praise the Lord? In Jonah, the second chapter, we find this applicable, this concept. Jonah's in trouble, and he prays for about seven verses. Now, now folks, you don't have to have a Harvard degree to know when you're in the belly of a whale. And I believe that every one of us here today, when we realize that, we, we're going to pray. How many think that you could do an all-night prayer meeting if you were in the belly of a whale? I think most of us could. Amen. I, I don't think there's a problem praying when you're in the whale's belly. So that's what Jonah does. He prays. Oh, God. Look at me here right now, God. I, I'm in this whale's belly. And it stinks to high heaven in here. And I've got this nasty seaweed wrapped around my head. And I don't know, maybe uh, Jonah, I don't know how big a whale's belly is, but Jonah may have been just slip sliding away as that whale swam through the ocean's currents. I don't know, maybe he probably was sick to his stomach. I can imagine so. But, it, but he prays for about seven verses, and nothing happens. So then we get to verse 9, something happens, and Jonah tries a different angle. Now watch this, verse 9. He says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Now stick with me. Jonah was in the belly of the whale, and he had himself a prayer meeting. But when he got through praying, he said, now it's time to praise. You can pray, and then, honey, it'll be time for you to quit praying, quit asking, and start praising. And about the time he began to lift up the name of the Lord and he began to praise, the very next verse says, and the Lord spoke to that fish. He said, hey, fish, this is God. You're about to get sick. You're about to have a little bit of indigestion. And the Bible says that that thing vomited Jonah out, not just in the ocean anywhere, but on dry land. Hallelujah. Praise, I'm telling you, is what got Jonah out of the belly of the whale. And I don't know what belly of what beast you're in this afternoon, whether it's the, the belly of a messed up marriage or the belly of a messed up finances or the belly of some darkness of some kind. But if you've been praying for God to help you, I want you today to understand now it's time to praise the Lord. If you'll start praising God, whatever your problem is, if you'll start praising him, he'll speak to that fish and, and, and he'll say to that circumstance, let go of him, let go of her, because they're praising me. Are you going to praise the Lord? Tell me, are you? Are you going to praise the Lord? Paul and Silas are in jail, and the Bible says they were in stocks. It means their hands and their feet were locked in a wooden contraption called stocks. You talk about huge uh, handcuffs on steroids. Their handcuffs were wooden, and they were about 
four or five feet long, and I don't know how tall, but they were uh, in a place where they couldn't move. And the Bible says they were in the inner prison, and they had been beaten. And the Scripture says they'd been beaten with many stripes, and they were in a bad situation. Now, now, if that had been most of us, you and me, most of us, let's just be honest, we would have already blamed God and quit. But you know why they were in prison? They hadn't been caught in some bar or some house of ill repute. They weren't caught somewhere that they shouldn't have been. They were in jail because they had been preaching the gospel. And we get all been out of shape when everything in our life doesn't go just the way we want it to. I don't know anybody here who has had your back broken open by a cat of nine tails, beaten until you're bloody and bleeding because of telling somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We haven't been drug out of town and stoned and left for dead. That happened to Paul. Uh, but, but here they are in jail, and they're bleeding, and they're in tremendous pain and suffering. And the Bible says it's midnight. There is no darker time than midnight. And I can just imagine the conversation that's taking place. Paul says, Silas, uh, I, I know your back's hurting. You're probably hurting as bad as I am. Mine's hurting. I, I know you're in pain. So am I. But, you know, Silas, this isn't the first time, is it? It probably won't be the last. What, what do you think we ought to do? And Silas says something, and Paul says, you know what? I was thinking the exact same thing. All right, we may not get the key right, but let's do it. And they begin to sing. I don't know what they sang. Blessed be the name. In the middle of their pain, blessed be the name. When it was hurting and everything within them cried out to do something else, blessed be the name of the Lord. When you can bless the name of Jesus in your midnight hour, I'm telling you that does something to God. That stirs something in God's heart. Amen. And the Bible says when they began to sing praises unto God, praises that the earthquake shook that jail. Amen. I, I'm going to tell some of you today that are saved. You're saved, but you're in jail of some kind. You're in prison. If you could ever get to the place where you're in your midnight hour, just begin to sing praises unto God, then God's going to send an earthquake to your prison and set you free. They said, we're not going to let the midnight, we're not going to let the darkness, we're not going to let the pain and the suffering quiet our praise because our God is worthy. Amen. And we're just going to keep on praising him. I ask you again, are you going to praise the Lord today? Are you going to praise the Lord no matter what happens? Are you going to praise the Lord no matter come what may in your life? Hallelujah. Let me show you something from the Bible today. Jesus, he told those scribes and Pharisees, in the text that we read, I'm not going to silence these children. In fact, and he quoted from the Bible, he said, I'm going to say, go on, praise on, worship on. Uh, let me show you something. Put up Psalm 8, 
and verse 2. This is the verse that Jesus quoted to those wicked men when they wanted to stop the children from worshiping God. Here the psalmist says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. The enemy and the avenger is the devil, and he's out to destroy you. And the psalmist David said, you can still or you can silence the devil, or in plain language, you can shut him up with your praise. The Bible says that the devil stands before the Lord night and day, accusing us before him. He's telling God how bad you and I are. He's, he's relating to God all that we've done wrong and what we've been saying that we shouldn't have and all of what we've been doing. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he's a, putting a condemnation trip on us by telling the Lord all about us. And he wants you to feel guilty about that. He wants you to feel guilty, in fact, all the time because he knows that as long as he keeps you feeling guilty, he knows you are no match for him. So you want to know how to shut him up? Watch. King David here says that there is strength that comes on the scene when a certain something comes out of your mouth. You don't have to have a lot of money to go out and buy this weapon. You don't have to be real smart to use it and have it available to you. All you have to do is understand it and do it. So this scripture doesn't tell us exactly what it is. So when you get over to Matthew, when Jesus is here, Matthew 21, Jesus starts quoting from uh, Psalm 8, and he said, have you never read? And then he quotes, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. And then he changes a word or two. And instead of saying ordained uh, or perfected pray or ordained uh, uh, strength, he says, perfected praise. David said, thou hast ordained strength. But when Jesus quotes David, he says, perfected praise. That tells me that the ordained strength of God's people is when they praise the Lord. If the devil's been on your case lately, if the devil's been condemning you, if the devil's been telling you that you don't measure up and what a failure you are, here's your chance to shut the devil up. Amen. Shut his mouth. How? By praising God. Praise be unto God. Hallelujah to my king. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Let me tell you something. It's going to go either one of two ways. Either the devil's going to shut you up so that you don't praise God. And when you do that, when you give in to no praise, he's got you. You're defeated. He's won. But if you will say, devil, I'm going to praise God, it will shut him up. So I asked you again, my friend, are you going to praise the Lord? Well, are you? Are you going to praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Because if you'll praise the Lord, then you'll shut the devil up. But if you shut up your praise, he's going to keep on talking to you, and he's going to win. I don't know about you, but I'd rather win. I'd rather praise God because he's worthy. I said he's worthy.
Hallelujah. Are you going to praise the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. When do I praise the Lord? Well, you know, it's easy for us to praise the Lord right here, right now, and that's what everyone who's here should be doing, everyone that understands where I'm coming from. Now, I know there's some folks, this is new to you, and so you've got an excuse, but everybody else don't. But we need to understand some things. You may be seated. Sometimes I don't feel like praising the Lord. The Bible talks about our sacrifice of praise. Sometimes uh, I just, you know, I'm run down physically or emotionally or mentally or something's weighing on my mind, and I just don't feel like praising God. But you know what? Praising God shouldn't be left to how I feel. Praising God shouldn't be left to whether I'm having a good day or I'm having a bad day. Praising God isn't left to the circumstances of my life, whether I'm rich or I'm poor, I'm up or down or in or out. Whatever or wherever I'm at in my life, the Lord is good. No matter what's going on around me, His mercy is everlasting. No matter what's going on in my life, His truth endures to all generations, and that includes me. So I'm going to praise the Lord even when it's a sacrifice to do that. Anybody can praise God in this place today, even though not everyone is. Anybody can because it's easy to praise God on a Sunday afternoon in a church. It's when we get into the middle of the week that we have a problem. Most of you feel like you could storm hell with a water pistol in church service where God's moving and you feel his presence, but you get over into the week when you're all by yourself and your flesh doesn't want to praise the Lord. So when do I praise the Lord? Well, when the alarm clock goes off on Monday morning and you wish it was Saturday morning. When you're tired from praising God on Sunday. And you know it's a blue Monday, and you get up on Monday morning, and you say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice in it. I will, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to praise the Lord every day, every day, every day. David, who wrote this psalm, was running for his life from King Saul, and he wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, continually, continually be in my mouth. The praise that overcomes, the praise that is the most effective is not the praise in this place on Sunday afternoon with the keyboard playing and the drums and, and the shout of victory, but the praise in the middle of the week when everything is going wrong. That's the praise that you've got to have, my friend. That's when you've got to have a made-up mind. I don't care what I'm going through. I will bless the Lord. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I, if my heart's beating, I'm going to be praising the Lord. If I've got a breath left in my body, I'm going to use it to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Are you going to praise the Lord? I, I, I'm just hoping the Lord will let me sometime real soon preach or teach on really what that is. It's not this. Amen. Good job, preacher. God doesn't, doesn't get anything out of bobblehead praise. Amen. You know, I, I love King David in the Bible. I'm going to hurry on to a close. This, this, this man, David, the little shepherd boy who uh, at about 16 years old killed the giant named Goliath and won a great victory for all of the armies of Israel. He grew up to be the king of Israel and when he became king, he let his penchant, his desire for worshiping and praising God just really reach its maximum hilt. Now, this is before the Holy Ghost was ever poured out. This is Old Testament. You can read it in First Chronicles where it says that David paid tithes to 4,000 Levites to do nothing else. They didn't preach. They didn't run the ministerial staff. They didn't do maintenance on the temple around the church. He paid tithes to 4,000 people to do nothing but praise the Lord. He said to them, this is it. This is your job. Your job is every time we get in that temple, you're to praise the Lord. He said, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And so he had 4,000 Levites. He had an orchestra of 3,060. He had a choir of 2,000. The scripture says all this, that all they did was praise the Lord. Now, some people in Pentecost especially used to think that the only time that we really have to or should praise the Lord is, is in reaction to the moving of the Spirit. Well, when God moves on me, then I'll get happy. Uh-uh. That's not the way it's supposed to work. I thank God that we have moved beyond that. Used to, people would wait until what we called the Holy Ghost falling uh, until they would uh, give their all in worship. In fact, I haven't seen it in a while. I, I pray God forgive us for robbing you of worship, but it's been a while since I've seen somebody run the aisle. I think I saw somebody walk the aisle here a service or two ago. We used to do that all the time. Did you know that in the old building years ago, they used to run the aisles when there wasn't any aisles to run? And as a result, they would run slap dab into those steel beams on either side of the auditorium, and someone would knock themselves out cold. You think that's crazy, preacher. Uh, they were being crazy for Jesus. Oh, that we could return to that way of thinking. But anyway, in the Bible, uh, it's, it's, it's something that... Uh, you, you learn and you read and you understand that God is worthy of praise no matter what you're feeling, no matter if the Holy Ghost is moving or not. In fact, that's the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to praise and then the Holy Ghost moves. 
Because the Bible says God inhabits or lives in the praises of his people. But biblical praise is not relegated to just a, a reaction to what you feel. The Bible strongly teaches us that praise has nothing to do with what we are feeling. It is a choice. It is a decision. David said, he just said, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Praise God. It's going to be my lifestyle. It, no matter what is going on, no matter what's happening, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. But did you know that there is a spirit that will try to stop praise? It's happened in this service. Some people in this service haven't praised God like they should have. Some of them even know it because the spirit of the enemy comes and puts all kind of thoughts in, in their mind as to why they shouldn't praise the Lord. Oh, you, you'll look funny, or what will people think of you, or that's not you, or, or you're not feeling good today. You know, let somebody else do it. The devil is good at putting lies in your brain, and somehow, some way, some of us seem to be good at believing them. Stop doing that. Go to the Word. Go to the book and say like David, I, I'm going to praise the Lord at all times. David was coming home. I'll tell you about this spirit that tries to stop praise. He was bringing the ark home to Jerusalem where it belonged. Just real quick, he was leading the procession. Every seven steps, he would stop and do a dance before the Lord. And he, he took off his outer robe. And, and he wasn't naked, but he had just the common uh, undergarments. Uh, everything was covered up that should have been covered up for modesty's sake. But his wife, way up high in a tower on the wall or in her mansion, looked down. And, first of all, I'm wondering, where was she anyway? She should have been out there with him praising the Lord. But she was up in her tower somewhere, and she looked down, and she saw uh, David dancing before the Lord, and he no longer had his kingly robe on. And the Bible says there's David's little old sweet wife looking down from her window, and she despised David for what he was doing. And the Bible says God cursed her because of that, and she never had any more children. Let me tell you something today, folks. God doesn't like people who don't like other people praising him. Amen. So if you want to be blessed by God and if you want to be a, a productive saint and you want to see people saved and you want your family to have revival and this church to have revival and if you don't want God to close up the womb of this church, then we better have people around here who know how to praise the Lord and know when to do it. And that's all the time. So I ask you, church, are you going to praise the Lord? Are you? Are you going to praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Let's ask God to deliver us from the bobblehead praise. That's good, preacher. That's good. You keep preaching that. I agree with you. Now, I'm not going to do it, but, but that's good preaching. I, I haven't found bobblehead praise in the Bible yet, but I have found mouth praise. I have found make a joyful noise unto the Lord. 
praise. I have found in the Bible, clap your hands, O ye people. Make a joyful noise unto the God of our salvation. Praise. Hallelujah. I've even found Psalm 149 and 3. It says, let's praise the Lord in the dance. Amen. Amen. So when they say, why do you Pentecostals act the way that you do? It's because it's in the book. It's because we understand we've been delivered by the blood of the Lamb. And we're going to a city uh, whose streets are made out of gold. Hallelujah. And so uh, we want to raise our hands to the one who's made us these promises. We want to lift our voice to the one who's brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. I'm going to shout because I'm on my way to a city whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, I want you to put one more verse up. One more scripture, Psalm 81. Let's, let's go to verse 2. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant heart with psaltery. Verse 3. Blow up the trumpet. I like that. It doesn't say blow the trumpet. It says blow up. I don't know how you, I guess, play it hard enough and loud enough till it blows up in your hands. In the new moon, in the time appointed, on our solemn feast day. Next verse. For this was a statute for Israel and the law of God of Jacob. I, I, we don't have a bulletin anymore, but, but maybe we could put it up on the screen next Sunday, Brother Terry. Put up on the screen when everybody walks into this church building. It's up there where it says, it is against the law to not praise the Lord in this church. Hallelujah. Now, we may not do that, but that's how I want you to look at it. One more verse, Psalm 115. Pastor, is there anybody in here that doesn't have to praise the Lord? Yes, there is. Psalm 115. Would you read it with me? Verse 17. The dead praise not the Lord. The only excuse you have for not praising the Lord is you're sitting in that chair dead as a doornail. If that's not you, then why don't you stand to your feet and lift your hands right now if you think God's worthy of your praise. In fact, if you think he's worthy of your praise, why don't you come, let's gather around the front and let God know we mean this. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.